and welcome to the WCW vs. NWO podcast, the podcast that analyzes, dissects, and executions of excellence, the most important errors of wrestling history. I am your host, Dave, and joined always by my stable mates. First, Fergus Looney, how are you doing? Pretty good. Uh, my knees are in much better spots than uh, Bret Hart's opponents are, so can't complain there. W- wouldn't be hard to be. And of course, uh, from the other side of the pond, Connor O'Donnell, how are you keeping? Keeping well. The end is near for this season of the podcast and and WCW. Mm. You know, I mean, I can see <laughs> now. I can see now why certain decisions in the coming months come to be. It, it all makes sense now. Yeah, it's really starting to take fruition it, really fast as well. It, it felt like the end of the podcast was forever away, and the last three episodes, like, oh, it's it's coming and it's coming hard. Today's episode, we're going to be looking at World War Three, nineteen ninety eight. One of the weirdest matches, and uh, I think this is the last appearance of that type of match oh, yeah. in WCW history. Uh, not not hard to particularly see why it's one of the last kind of showings of this match. And I think we've said this on the other episodes of it. Very weird seeing this match fail so poorly and the Royal Rumble and their, and their WWF rivals succeed so much throughout the decades. I think it just encapsulates everything of why the two <laughs> companies are where they're like where they went. There's a lot we're going to go into in, in our kind of wrap-up episodes as we put a bow on on, on the, this era of wrestling. Yeah, the, we, we get to start to really see it here. We're going to delve into it deeper in our uh, in some of our last episodes. But this show was very thrown together, and rumor has it was very thrown together because the numbers of these pay-per-views weren't satis- uh, satisfactory anymore, and they were considering canceling World War Three. But by the time they had come to a decision, it was a little bit too late. What I'm very interested in, Gus, is that reflected in the Nitros and Thunders this month? <laughs> a little, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> I, I think nothing typifies it more than just picture the scene. You've just come out of the tanning bed. You're looking orange as ever. The world is your oyster. Apparently, your your group is the biggest group on the planet. And uh, you're going to beat Goldberg for the WCW title at some point. And then in the mail... You get this note that your old friend Jesse has become the governor of Minnesota. (laughs) So what do you do? You don't celebrate this. You're not happy for your friend. No, you think of a way to upstage him. And that, my friends, is why for at least two weeks of this entire run up until World War Three, we get to hear about Hulk Hogan's plans to become the next president of the United States of America. Isn't it more than one those few weeks, though? Because there's also the Jay Leno appearance, which I actually did watch live for some reason. So they've obviously cut and chopped like any reference to Leno mm, out of okay. the show. So I, I couldn't tell you exactly where they're in. But he is on two nitros in a row uh, where he basically does the exact same thing over mm. and over and over. At the start of the show, they announce that Ventura has become the governor. They, they celebrate, they thank him, they wish him well and all that kind of stuff. And then they go, but Hulk Hogan's got a really big announcement for you guys and you better want to wait, hold on for this for later in the show. Also, we've just been told that the very president of the United States is going to be here. <clears throat> Cue the next 45 minutes where they keep flicking outside to a cavalcade of like an unbelievable amount of limos, motorbikes, Secret Service agents, all guys in all black suits with their earpieces and everything. 
Bobby and uh, Mean Gene, like the scummy journalists they are, are waiting outside trying to get any bit of information that they can find. And of course, it turns out to be Hulk Hogan himself who's arrived to the arena. He comes out. They're playing pompous, patriotic U- USA music. He's still in a giant black and white feather bow. <laughs> NWO weightlifting belt, black pants, Coke bottle glasses, and a New York Yankees beanie cap. Mm. So not not even remotely the colors of the United States. And then they drape the biggest US flag you have ever seen in your life behind him, to which Eric Bischoff and himself both salute. Worth every dollar. <laughs> There's streamers, there are balloons, <sighs> there are like, there easily has to have been at least 50 to 60 uh, extras during this segment. Me and Gene then has to ask him the hard questions. Uh, to which Hogan manages to not answer a single one. So he never actually physically says he's going to run for the presidency. He says, if I can find a good running mate, I will do X and I will consider it. But he never out and out goes, I'm going to run for president. Uh, okay, he calls, so yeah, I, I, I found it. He does do more on Leno, which is actually a few days later. Sure. That, that's why, I, yeah, we haven't heard about it. And he also says he's going to quote unquote retire as well. He doesn't say that on Nitro. He says that on, says that on yeah. Leno. That's, that's yeah, yeah. He avoids Which, that one. At the time, I remember this as a kid. I'm like, this is such bullshit. Oh, total. So then he he announces Eric as his campaign manager. Because yeah. why not? And that's really the first time. So then Q, the second week, he does basically the same thing. Except he's like, oh, Uncle Eric has been busy. Because Eric has a lot of shit to do on the di- different shows. So I've decided to delegate and I've hired an intern. Any guesses, uh, guys, who, who his intern is? Is it Horace? No. Vincent. No, think think bigger picture. Think the United States of America. What? Oh, um, um, is it Monica or something? It is, in fact, yeah. somebody yeah. that looks incredibly like Monica Lewinsky. Oh. Uh, who wanders her way down by herself, gets into the ring, pulls a cigar out of her very ample cleavage. Where you keep cigars, usually. Obviously, and makes a quip that obviously has been related to that whole scandal. To which I I think genuinely Hogan corpses a little bit because he's just not expecting it for some way. So I wonder if they hadn't planned it. And then that's it. Uh, We never see Hogan again for the rest of the month. So there does seem to be some kind of semi-truth behind this presidential thing. It wasn't just like just a gimmick because if it was just a gimmick, I think I'd appreciate that. A little, a little more, but there seemed to be some truth to maybe not the presidential run that he was threatening to retire at the time, and the morale backstage was very low because of, I think Meltzer says something about this. It could yeah, be all dirt sheet stuff, but well, they were reworking his contract, so yes. Well, no, no bigger contract than the <laughs> than being president. Imagine that's what you're using the counterbalance. <laughs> do, you, do you have any offers from anywhere else, Hogan? We can't justify to pay you more. I should well, be they, president, they, brother. I'm tired yeah. of traveling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to be president if you let me go, so you have to pay me more. <laughs> Aren't you supposed to be paid like less as the president? You'd like to think so. I mean, that's that's how it's supposed to work with in Ireland anyway. I don't know. Not to Hogan. Well, <laughs> yeah. It's true, yeah. They do a lot of, uh, genuinely, they do a lot of like, oh, I'm getting paid less because I'm giving my businesses to like my children and my relatives to take care of. Mm. And then they just don't. Like, obviously, if your kid has your business, you're still just running it. But that, that's what seems to happen a lot in American politics. 
but yeah, it's it's bizarre. He's literally leveraging his contract with a presidential run. Yeah. Jesse can do it. I can do it too, brother. I mean, at the time, it's it felt right. I'm like, good. He's going away. We can <laughs> do this other stuff. Yeah. We just had Goldberg and DDP. Hey, here's the future. Yeah. Like, the, the, this like it looked like things were on the up here. Like you have to yeah. think about at the time. We don't know what's going to happen in two months right now. Yeah. Like we don't know any of it. We don't know who's going to be Hall of Famers and going to jump to the other company yet. So it's, <laughs> it, things seem okay because they seem to be all right. In order to compete with WWF, they're making the switch to younger stars as well. Maybe WCW is doing the same. Like sadly, in in one sense, you're you're correct. Like I don't, I did not miss him at all on the shows. Like he he wasn't providing anything for the shows week to week anyway. So there's no big change. However, they didn't really replace it with anything. So it's hard because you yeah the the Bischoff and Hogan three promos on the show it fills up so much time. Yeah, but they didn't really put in anything that effectively replaces it if anything i think the horseman stuff is probably what's put there and it's very very similar i don't even really want to call it a storyline because it's dumb but it's just eric consistently not he doesn't want to let rick wrestle and so now they've moved on to like even though they won that i don't know arm contest or whatever rick is like i'm ready to wrestle i want to do this and eric eventually goes okay fine i'll let you wrestle you can wrestle tonight and Rick's like, okay, great. You could, I'll wrestle whoever you want. There's a great moment where he he agrees to it, and Rick just starts rattling off every single person he can think of while Eric is trying to get his words out. And he's like, I'll take them all on. I'll take them all on. As he's stripping as usual. So he goes, yeah, we're gonna wrestle. And then later in the show, Eric comes out, gets into the commentary booth. He's like, I want to be out here for to see the next match. And they're like, oh, what what is it? And he's like, oh, we're gonna watch Ric Flair wrestle. They're like, oh, great. Who's he wrestling? It's like, well, play the tape. And they replay Bash of the Beach 1994, where (laughs) Ric Flair takes on Hulk Hogan. And my friends, they do not just show clips. They show a good, I'd say, half to three quarters of this match on live TV. Now, I mean, it's it's a four-year-old pay-per-view, so whatever, really. But they still took up a good 15 to 20 minutes to show an old match of Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan. They, of course, do this twice. Why would you do it once? It's on another Nitro. They show another match between Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. I believe that one is Halloween Havoc 1994, if I'm remembering right. Uh, Both matches where Rick gets beaten, of course. And this is on top of the fact that they've replayed the full Goldberg and DDP match on their Nitro after the pay-per-view because of the problems. Wow. Yep. So that's that's really all that's gone on. Nothing changes for the horseman other than that. Rick continues not to wrestle. The other guys are unaffected. So we get to see Benoit and Malenko. Mongo seems to be in and out. He doesn't really wrestle all that much. He keeps missing shows, but they, they take the piss out of him because they're like, oh, we were in Vegas, so we just left him there. We'll see him later on in the show. I, I don't like commenting on people like this, but he doesn't look as uh, spry or healthy as he did at the start of this podcast. No. He looks a bit uh, under the weather for sure. The, like, ho- hopefully he, w- he was well at the time, but yeah, it doesn't look well. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fun month, I have to say. Uh, it's mostly plot lines that don't really go anywhere or don't make any sense. And there's lots of matches. There's actually lots of pretty decent TV matches. Kibben has a crazy run this month. He's been uh, the MVP for sure. Every single match is great yeah. that he's in. 
Yeah, it's been ver- it's very disappointing. Eddie's whole Eldro storyline is completely ruined already. I don't know what they thought it was going to be, but he, he keeps going. We're going to join together, become this union, and fight Eric. But all they do is they just interfere in matches. They're just another faction now. They're not any different from the others. They just happen to be Mexican. That's that's kind of sad. I remember them fondly, but it's probably just because it's full of people I like. It's not even full of people you like. This is the thing. Oh, it's full of Eddie. Everybody likes El Dandy. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's <laughs> La Parker and Psychosis and Eddie. And then mm-hmm. technically Hoovy and Ray are in it. The demon guy, what's purposes. his name? Damien. 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 Also, none Forget. of these people are wrestling, by the way. No, God, like, no. At all. Eddie is the only person who wrestles out of this group. And I, w- I wouldn't have it any other way. Imagine having any of them in a match that's not Eddie. Is Silver King in, no- in it? No. Yeah, it's, it's a- just a, it's a huge contrast of where we started, where they would actually utilize all these luchadors and yeah. have like good matches, you know? They weren't like anything amazing, but it was, hey, want to fill five, ten minutes? Let's put on a fun spot fest for that long. No, I get to watch Scott Putzky instead. Um, awesome. Yeah, great. there's uh, there's two jobbers on this pay-per-view that can be fun two. to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. In singles matches. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. That's, this, is, this isn't to the jobber. <laughs> okay, sorry. sorry. Glacier is <laughs> not a jobber. Shut up. <laughs> he trains people now, Gus. That's how good he is. We will jump into the pay-per-view. Uh, extremely 90s music video for the intro. A bunch of uh, wrestling names just flying across the screen. They do it like three times as well. My eyes are hurting. <laughs> to, like weird whispered music. And that goes through the show multiple times. It kind of freaks me out. It's annoying. And we get uh, Goldberg is arriving. He is here. We should be asking, where is Goldberg? What do you think is in his metal briefcase? I was going to say, it's the belt, right? It has to be the belt, right? <laughs> That's what I thought. But like, it, it, it must be Mongo's suitcase, though. It looks exactly the same. Yeah, the does, Halberton, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it seems so out of character for him. Like, well, it is, yeah. Surely else, he would just walk around with that belt on his neck or something. Yeah, well, he's just in streets with like a normal traveling suitcase. And then just like, it looks like the briefcase should be like handcuffed to him, you know? Like, yeah. Or it's a James he, Bond one. That's like, he's going to explode something. Yeah, it's... It's weird, but at least we're starting to show with our world champion. He's probably going to wrestle right here, right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the company let us know uh, Hogan isn't here, because when Hogan isn't here, we should be asking, where is Hogan? Uh, they are shocked by this. They, not that they show us that in emotion. They literally say the words, they are shocked by this. <laughs> Can't just have your character say how they feel. That makes me feel angry. I, 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 got, I will point out that, like, there's stuff obviously on pay-per-view but bobby has some amazing gems throughout the month because mm-hmm. he clearly does not give a fuck, give a fuck yeah. <laughs> just have fun with it bobby yeah. mean gene says a small man could win instead of a big man with maneuvers and such he uses that phrase <laughs> maneuvers yep. and yep. such can't name a small dude though he's like guys like kevin nash and the giant and then you think he's gonna name some luchadors and he doesn't because he doesn't know their names Hotline has a pre-recorded message from Bobby, and that probably seems like the best value the Hotline's been during the series. <laughs> Sparking an old rivalry, one of the first of the podcast, it's Glacier Reborn versus Rat. Glacier's lost Glacier his... Glacier Reborn? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
he, he got a promo and everything. Uh, what? His, his new tights suck balls. <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah. He came out. He, he was involved. He was tangentially involved in the cat and Sonny Uno uh, feud, which we'll get to soon enough, where the cat is looking for a challenger and he asks for whoever. Glacier appears. Everyone's shocked. Like by shocked, I mean nobody reacts to it whatsoever. Shocked he comes in so. and then cuts this heel promo where he's like, "Us karate guys have got to stick together because <laughs> those wrestling people they don't look out for us." You got it, man. If you ever need me, I got your back. And then he leaves. Uh, <laughs> and Say then so, Glacier. <laughs> yeah, he's like. He shows up to, to wrestle a match, but um, Wrath beats him up before he can wrestle. So that's there's a little bit of continuity here yeah. in that Wrath has assaulted him for basically no reason. Wrath was just angry that he didn't get his match, so he decided to destroy two other people. <laughs> Why is it such a face trait around these times to just beat up who you want? I mean, are you not going to pop for the six foot eight dude doing crazy stuff? I am, but it's such a weird, like, it's it's uh, Rat and it's Goldberg in WCW. And it's like Austin and Kane in WBF. Like, Kane starting as a bad guy, but, like, he beats up too many people. That's too much fun. We I mean, got to cheer for him. Got to cheer for him. And he's got kick-ass music as well. He so does. It all comes together. <laughs> I mean, come on, Dave. You got to give Kane a little bit more credit. There's a lot more nuance with. He was know, on this- fire once. Sure, but you know, there's, he is far more athletic. <laughs> you could feel a lot more sympathy for that character as the, as the story went on. Well, he yeah, murdered he, people. I mean, go besides that, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, what what but, do you know about Wrath? By contrast, <laughs> that's true. But the the '90s crowd just love people who want to fight people. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. I mean, all I mean, you know the, about Wrath is he shouts a lot. He has more hair than Goldberg. One thing I was pissed about right off the bat was Glacier doesn't have no more lasers, no more snow. He did have snow on Nitro, so I don't know why he didn't get Uh, it on the pay-per-view. Didn't Kaz steal his snow or something? I don't know. No, no, no. No, he he stole his armor. Oh, his armor, not his snow. I made a note of that. Has that happened yet, Gus? Uh, No. All right, keep us updated. Even if it happens after the podcast, we'll do a bonus episode just for that. (laughs) No, no snow, as we said for Glacier. Uh, Rath has a weird, the weird combo gimmick, the WCW combo gimmick of undefeated and devastating finisher, and I ha- both those things have to be mentioned by the commentary multiple times. I mean, he only has four moves, so what else are they going to talk about? It's just so it's their go-to, like they do it with so many guys. His finisher is so devastating, and he hasn't lost a match. And like, come up with different gimmicks, guys. Come on. You just can't make you like Goldberg's barely a thing at this stage. You can't be making Goldberg clones already and hoping for success. Let's think about it too. Glacier had a similar gimmick coming in. Yeah, that's there. true. That's true. And they, they do comment on the the new finisher for Glacier. Oh, God, the ice pick. It's <laughs> terrible. Listen, I, I I would love to be on your your guy's side. I do agree, but however, like there is literally no gimmick for this man. Like that's that's all the information they've got. I mean, I think we're on the same side of shitting on him. Like they would have to make up stuff. (laughs) They would literally have to make up stuff about him on the fly. Like that's how little we know about Wrath. He does look like a million bucks. I'll say that. Until you make him wrestle longer than five minutes, which is, Uh, which is what they did here. Glacier sucks chance very early in the match. Backed up by a big pop when he just eats shit on the outside. (laughs) 
bigger pop than most people get. Uh, I I actually went into this pay per view uh, not knowing he was a heel. So this was like really alien to me. I'm like, man, Rot must be over if Glacier's just automatically a heel by being in the ring with him. They brawl a little bit of ringside. Glacier gets thrown into the fans and almost completely wipes out a small child. Inside out bump by Glacier off a short arm clothesline was really impressive. Weirdly, Rot's just still doing really heelish things, even though he's super over. Like choking Glacier with the TV cables like a good face does. Or using the ropes for a pin like a good monster does. Just like very weird. Glacier hits a super kick and goes for the thumb spike submission uh, it's thing. It's the cryonic kick. It is the cryonic His kick. His super bro. kick is the cryonic and kick. And the ice pick is the name the of the But Rat blocks it and hits the meltdown. The pump handle, pump handle something slam. Power slam probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. pump power, power slam. Pay-per-view squash matches. We love them. What do you guys think of the reintroduction of the, this old rivalry? My notes pretty much say it felt like a Nitro match, but the guys had to waste time until their time allowed so they went to the finish. Glorified squash match. It's just they, they did a whole lot of nothing, and it's like, oh, it's time to hit my finisher? Great, let's go. This is a Thunder match. Like I wouldn't... Th- these guys seem like Nitro-worthy guys. Mm-hmm. I, th- mm-hmm. I think a couple of the other matches are, are Thunder-worthy. This, this one steps up a little bit. Has a little bit more thought, a little bit more history. Yeah, yeah, that was also a good point. That I, it's funny that they don't uh, mention the old rivalry at all. Like, these characters were kind of introduced together originally. I'm not saying they needed to, but yeah, just I, co- even a little like aside to it, like these guys know each other inside out or whatever, or, like bitter old rivals or something. Not nah, just the spike, the ice pick. Tanae mentions that Wrath is going to be on the Mortal Kombat TV show. Isn't it amazing? I, I, oh, I wait, is, it, is, I is that is that a thing that happened? Like what? What? Yeah, it's the live action series. The live action se- I could, the TV uh, series. Yeah, yeah, the oh, live okay. action TV series was a thing. It was actually quite like fun. It gets cancelled after one season. Yeah, because it was shite. <laughs> this is a, this is a complete aside. It gets cancelled after one season. They know it's getting cancelled. So at the end of it, they have the bad guys win. They just have Shao Kahn kill. Every, I, I don't mean just open ended. They have monks go around and he kills the entire cast off. And just empties a bag full of their like weapons in front of Raiden, and is like, "You lose." And that's the end of the series. It's like the best ending to a TV series of all time. I just find it incredible that he's the one who gets on invited onto the show, and they happen to mention the- it during that match. Yeah, not the Mortal Kombat character, not the guy who's the literal <laughs> rip off. Like <laughs> poor Glacier. <laughs> that, that's why I had to bring it up. Like, yeah, oh, same. Man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, if you if you didn't, I was gonna. <laughs> Sad times. Yeah, I think I remember the episode he's in as well. How did I miss this? Because I was I was a huge Mortal Kombat mark. I mean, I guess it was more early '90s that I was really into it. By the time Mortal Kombat three, I started tapering off. So I guess see, this would have been on for us. It was on like uh, at like eight o'clock on a Thursday, and it probably replaced like Buffy when Buffy was yes. out of season. Yeah, very similar. Yeah. So like that would we it would have been like really really pumped up. On, okay. on the channel sky like so i, I do I, I very vi- visibly remember this it was terrible but like <laughs> yeah and moral Kombat 3 was yeah 1995 and the movie was around that time as well so yeah by this time i'm checked out just destroyed by glacier all your love is gone uh. <laughs> <laughs> this this match is too long anyway as connor alludes to i think they had to fill time than they more than they were supposed to and uh, they can't do it uh, it's the nice way of putting it. 
And I think I'm going to be saying this uh, quite a few times on the show. Yeah. Glacier, sorry, man, you're you're not a great heel. It's just it it's it feels awkward booing Glacier. I understand why. It just feels wrong, man. After this, we get a pretty good promo package though from Bret Hart, saying that he's showing that he's scared of no one, that no one's respecting him, that he's they're lucky that he's not taking them out permanently and stuff like this. Very heelish, kind of trying to give some reasons towards the actions he's been taking. I know over the podcast, we've been very confused of his direction. This promo seems to be giving a bit more direction. He's saying he's going to make an example out of someone that claims he is the people's champion. Uh, I guess my criticism of this is it's actually very similar to his anti-American stuff from WWE, just with uh, no Amer- American added to all this. One of the examples is he uh, also talks on Chris Benoit, who he kind of tangentially feuded with. And says it's because, you know, he trained Chris and Chris was like a brother to him and he didn't even show him any respect when he came to the company. Gus, do you think this promo package is doing a good job of making more sense of what Brett is doing week to week? Not really. It's just a repeat. A repeat. It is different. He doesn't do this. They don't show this on the weekly shows, but he just explains it in a promo that he's like, yeah, I'm just going to keep beating up all the people who I think aren't worthy of my time and whatever. And it's very straightforward. So if, if people hadn't seen the shows, this is a good catch-up. I think it's the whole NWO nonsense with him that just yeah. confuses me more. I still don't understand if he's in right. it or not. Because, <laughs> yeah, we could talk about it later that, I, I'm like, oh, he's not in the group. And then somebody helps him. I'm like, wait, he, yeah. oh, never mind. Yeah, he gets helped by Giant sure. one of the weeks. And you're like, yeah. okay, I don't understand why, but okay. <laughs> Yep. Favorite thing about the promo, though, he's sitting in front of a hockey, in front of a hockey, ma- hockey goal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a literal no ex- explanation for why. I, maybe Canadian. it's Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like, okay. It's almost yeah. as good yeah. as the, the million TVs. I, I've always liked Brett as a heel. I've actually never, I never really liked him as a face, kind of that era. And I know people say he's kind of bitter in real life or whatever. He just comes across so fantastically bitter here. He's like, how dare you people just be in my presence? Do you not know who I am? Kind of stuff. I've never kind of fallen for the thing where Brett can't cut a good promo. Because I think this is an absolutely fine promo. He definitely improved over the years. Yeah. That's true. I I, I just don't think he knows how to do a babyface promo. He's too arrogant to be properly babyface. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't believe when he says babyface stuff, I don't believe him. When he tells me he hates Chris Benoit because he wasn't respectful enough, I believe every word out of his mouth. Match number two of the night, we have some very big stars here for a very big pay-per-view. Stevie Ray versus Conan. Listen, listen, Dave. These two lads are on the show every week. These are one of the bigger stars. <laughs> I, love, uh, I do love what Stevie Ray is doing. He's taken the name The Enforcer to piss off uh, Arn Anderson. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, He's I like to- that. The WCW. Uh, no confrontation, by the way. No <laughs> just no resolution to that. He just takes the nickname. No, he, he just takes the name and the, the announcers get annoyed for Arn and that's really it. That, him versus Arn would be sweet as well. God damn it. They, they just don't follow through with anything, man. Tony Schiavone says, Conan, or K-Dog if you will. And I won't. K-Dog, yeah. And I won't. Uh, Conan runs through his stick and the crowd still love it. Yeah, he's uh, massively over. Yeah, he's the road dog of WCW. It's it's getting getting repetitive. Wow, that's great. <laughs> it's great and also very insulting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Depending who you're talking to, road dog would take that as a compliment. I Maybe. can't unsee it now. <laughs> Maybe Conan wouldn't. 
Colin definitely wouldn't. I, I will. I will say at least like Road Dog can kind of keep up energy throughout a match. Conan, it's <laughs> all energy in the first minute, and then crap. What can I do? You think he'd wrestle a more deliberate style when he gets gassed? At least Stevie knows his limits. <laughs> Stevie knows exactly what he can do in the ring. He tries to execute it. Conan does like 50 of his rolling fucking clotheslines and then is just dead. Can't even lock on his finisher properly by the end of the match. To fucking... Anyway, <laughs> I have no notes on this match because nothing really happens during it. Vince what do you mean, Dave? This is the big, finally, confrontation between Hollywood and Wolfpack that Wolfpack. we were finally getting. Yeah. For the fifth time. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Vincent gets involved to help Stevie, but accidentally hits him with the slapjack. Conan then gets himself DQ'd by punching the ref for no reason. Why did he get so mad? <laughs> Why didn't he Why? pin him first? <laughs> yeah, so he just suddenly like lost it for no reason. Yeah, there's like no heat in the match, and now now that Stevie's knocked clean out, we gotta go at him. You know, we gotta get some. It's so it's such it's such a stinks of we don't want a result from this match. Like we can't have either faction get a result. <laughs> They don't need to protect either of these lads. They lose regularly. <laughs> like <laughs> it's so poor. After the match, Booker comes out to break it up. Conan, who was so furious that he got himself DQ'd, just gets up and just leaves. stops. Yeah. <laughs> just stops. Leaves. Doesn't really care about it. And then Stevie Ray is mad at Booker for coming to help and tells him to get out of here. And pushes him away. First time so they've interacted since Booker came back. By the way, I was about to mm. say, is this anything <laughs> yeah. to do with the weeks? Book, Booker came it. out and made a promo and he's like, I don't care about uh, Stevie. Like, I, there's no beef. We're just going to do our own thing for a while. Do these guys ever have a match? <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe maybe when they feud again later on with uh, Big T and so uh, on. Big T! I guess, I guess for the WCW, doesn't, <laughs> WCW doesn't like the brother versus brother match. You can't I have for- two at the same time, I guess. I forgot yeah, about yeah. the Sesame Street gimmick. They're battling over the letter T. Yeah. Another um, special episode. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, it's just special episodes until the, the company folds. Realistically. Oh. I'd actually be down with that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> I think the only thing that happens during this match that's worth bringing up is that they reference Bam Bam Bigelow, which uh, we haven't mentioned so far, who did make an appearance on Nitro, which was quite shocking. I I will give them credit for this. He just shows up. He just gets out of a car and starts beating people up and calling for Goldberg, makes his way to the ring, starts insulting Goldberg, who then appears magically so they can do like a big pull-apart brawl. And it's pretty cool, and they keep saying that Bam Bam is not an employee of the company, and he won't be showing up tonight. So, I yeah. love Bam Bam Bigelow. So I was pretty jazzed when Gus told me this when he was doing the watching. I was kind of hoping there'd be a Goldberg-Bam Bam match in our timeline. Looks like there isn't, unfortunately. But yeah, Bam Bam seems like a really good signing for them as well. You were saying uh, he wasn't getting paid by Heyman, so he left. This is like after his Shane Douglas stint, I think, in ECW. He had a great, yeah, he had a great ECW run. The matches, so good. The matches with Taz. As yeah. far as I know, he uh, wasn't getting paid, or Heyman wasn't paying people, and Bam Bam took exception to that. Yeah, Bam Bam has taken exception well, to that. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, me and Gus actually discussed this, not to go on too much of a tangent. Bam Bam's one of those guys where you heard in a lot of shoot interviews, Bam Bam's a dick. You're like, was he a dick because he's a dick or because he refused not to get paid? 
Like, it seems anytime you hear him, Bam Bam's like, yeah, they didn't pay me, so I called him a cunt and left, you know? Like, which seems like more than actual reasonable behavior. And he was just painted badly because he, like, didn't do business the way some people wanted him to and stuff. Yeah, Bam Bam's a personal favorite of mine. And uh, his, e- not because of his WBF stuff where I didn't, don't know much about, but his ECW stuff with Taz is so good. He's a, he's a good guy to have around. He's not like Damn. a top guy, but he's kind of like a big boss man type of guy. He's yeah. credible to have like a title match, but he's like not going to win, but he's still like, oh man, but he's still tough. He like, just look at him. He's, oh, yeah, he stands stuff. out. He looks like a pro wrestler. Yeah. yeah. Typical stuff where like he could lose a hundred matches and then you just put him on a little winning streak and believe he's going to beat your champion. So Vader, he's like Vader ish type type yeah. feeling too. Yeah, yeah, Vader, uh Samoa Joe in recent years they did that with WWE. Like he lost maybe a hundred <laughs> matches in a row. Don't you dare put <laughs> Samoa Joe in his in his category. They're almost the same same. Joe person. wishes he was. <laughs> Joe would but, never have main evented a WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also valid point. Uh, main evented WrestleMania, one of the most famous athletes in the world at the time. Just uh Great talent. And also, I was saying this to Gus, nearly every company he's in just puts people over. They put Taz over in ECW. Put RVD looks like, over too, yeah. Yeah, puts RVD over. It looks like he's going to put Goldberg over here if he's put in the right situation. Put a ton of people over in WB. Just a great guy to have in your company. And uh, maybe we have more nice things to say about him later. <laughs> Speaking of fantastic people to have in your company, match number three, Ernest Miller versus Sonny o- uh, and Sonny Ono versus Kaz and Saturn. Kaz Hayashi, I'm saying that right. Aren't I? Have you ever heard of this guy before? I actually had not heard about him. Ka- Kaz, Kaz. So I remember him from the Young Dragons. Yes. So it's him and Jimmy Yang are the Young Dragons. <laughs> him, Jimmy on. Yang, and uh, Jamie Son. Oh, that's true. Yeah, Jamie Noble is part of that group as well. <laughs> Jamie Noble. Yeah, I, I did not watch that area of WCW. Yeah, yeah. I was out by 99, like done. <laughs> I didn't watch, but I knew of them because they're, they're think, if you think of it now, really good up and coming young wrestlers. Yeah, no, I was actually yeah. surprised when like looking at his history. I'm like, oh, this is, you know, he's 25 years old. He's, he's a young guy out of Japan. And yeah, give him, give him a shot. Sure. I think he becomes all Japan yeah. booker at some stage. Uh, I think he. Do- I thought I think- he Booker for somewhere else, but he he he's mostly known for his all Japan stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, it might, it might be Booker somewhere else, and he he does well in all Japan. Not recall. not exactly the legendary status of some of the Japanese wrestlers that have been on these shows, but still very notable Japanese wrestlers. Yeah, he has a couple like pay per view matches too in in the company, and and he sticks around. He's a solid wrestler. WCW. Yeah, yeah he's, great he sticks wrestler. around until the end. Of yeah. WCW. Mm. Really so- simple story for this. Kaz is a client of Sonny Uno originally. He's been on TV now for, I'd say, two, maybe three months. But about a month in, Sonny gets fed up with him because he's not winning enough. So he kicks him to the curb. Uh, Kaz is not happy with this because there was lots of agreements or whatever is what is assumed. And then he gets the cat as his as his client instead. So the cat is protecting him from him. And then Kaz uh, somehow gets a match, a tag match made. And the two of the evil heels are laughing because they're like, nobody will re- will wrestle with you. So we get two really, really bad segments of Kazuyashi with a dictionary because he can't speak English, you know, where he speaks to Scott Hall. Miller, he's trying to say Miller. He's like match with Miller. And Scott Hall is like Miller Light. Yeah. He's like, listen, I love beers. I'll go with beer for you after the show, but they don't like it during the show. I- I'll tell you now. Really don't like it during the show. That's one segment. 
And then the other one is he's speaking to Disco and he like Disco misinterprets it as dancing. And Disco obviously thinks that Kaz is of a certain persuasion and says maybe some things that are not socially acceptable in this day and age. Um, (laughs) I'm sure you're shocked by that. To which Perry Saturn appears in a full foot length leather jacket, leather paddy cap, and he has it tied up (laughs) and like closed up. So you can't see anything else as if he like might just be wearing nothing underneath. And just goes, he's obviously talking about wrestling. And Disco's like, yeah, whatever. And Kaz is really confused. And Perry's like, oh, maybe I'll help you out. And he leaves. And that's how they set up him as a partner. Is Perry Saturn just like the Batman of of like WCW at the moment? Just a vigilante going around doing what he wants? Like, No, Perry just doesn't have any sort of direction. And he changes his wrestling gear, as I'm sure you saw. And it just looks like... It looks like he's going to a club later on in the evening and he's too lazy to change. And he's just really strange. He's no real ties to anybody. Nothing going on. Sounds like a lot of guys in the company. Yeah, he's just kind of in limbo. And so they just stick him in this match, I guess, because he's a good worker. I don't know. No, seriously, that can't be understated with what happens in the next few months of WCW. There's just several prominent guys there. Just, I don't know. We don't know what to do with you. You're in limbo. And she's like, well, our contracts are coming up soon, so you better do something. Hmm. Yep. Who could see this coming? What happens in a couple months to WCW? Hmm. Mm. Anyways, I will say I, I did love the the mashup that we get with the Kaz Hayashi yeah. stereotypical Japanese song. And then Saturn's like horn plays over it Yeah. for some reason. They must have changed uh, their audio department at, around this time because there's a couple of shows in a row where they are so bad at doing cues. And like queuing up the wrong, wrong music for people. Wrong music. Awesome. Like it happens a good bit on nitros. <laughs> You're like, hmm. It's a pretty easy one. You should just play Saturn's music here. Because when they played Kaz's music, I'm like, who's this? Who's coming out? <laughs> it's like, play, play the music of the guy that's most well known. And then if you, because if you don't want to do the two entrance thing, I get it. But then just play the one that we know. I'm laughing now because they're like, oh, we don't have the time to give you both individual entrances. However, we will show all 60 men going into that battle royale. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Spe- the, the mashup of not only their songs, but I like both teams here a lot, by the way. I don't know how you guys felt about the actual I mean, match. anything, anything Sonny Odom does, I, I love. I <laughs> Sonny is very really funny in this. Yeah. Was so he, paid, he played the evil stooge so well. Commentary played up his team very well. Like Sonny's actually 3-0 in professional wrestling matches. And they're like, well, he didn't do that himself. And like, well, you can't hit a home run without someone pitching to you, you know? No one does no one does anything alone. Like brain just <laughs> brain just having infinite fun. Of course, like, brain, yeah. 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 Sonny is just brain, by the way. Like just is a lot of his mannerisms. Yes, yeah, kind of sleazy match. salesman type feel, yeah. 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 And I'm not gonna comment on many of the wrestling matches in this match. It's mostly me just talking about Sonny's antics. I like coming to the ring. He has what they call the Booker Crew. So one guy with like a, a sweat bucket and one guy with a fanning towel that fans Sonny at random moments in the match. Just perfect. I have no idea who either of those uh, people are. He gets actually tagged in quite often in the match. One of them is when uh, Kaz is down and Sonny puts some pretty stiff kicks in on the ground on him. And he just knows sells it. And when Sonny gets up, he's like terrified. Or when Kaz gets up, Sonny's terrified. And uh, Sonny starts to offer him money that he just takes out of his gi. 
He's just been holding money in his gi this entire time to give to give, and he just gets like he just gets knocked to the ground. The money goes everywhere, and then for the rest of the match, Brain, uh, Brain is like, "So how much yen do you think is in that ring right now?" Oh, the guy's like, "Brain, someone can uh, clean that up. That's not you." He's like, "Yeah, but can we trust him? Like, I'll clean it up for Sonny." <laughs> He's having the time of his life. Sonny escaping through Kaz's legs to get the tag back in. Him uh, getting tagged in when uh, Miller just gets sick of the match and tags in Ono because he doesn't want to deal with Saturn anymore. Uh, and he complains and immediately tries to tag him back in. Or he tries to like elbow drop Kaz again and again. He just keeps rolling to the corner until... Uh, Ono doesn't realize he's within inches of Saturn who gets tagged in. All this stuff is just classic wrestling comedy gold, I think. I hated this match. <laughs> this is really? A- I yeah, love yeah. this. This is just yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. It's like old black and white slapstick comedy to me, you know? My my notes, uh, I, I didn't like the match either, but I said I, I like the pairings. Like yeah. the, I, I like the, the Cat and Ono pairing. But yeah, I, I didn't like this match. So I hate the match more so, not because like, what the comedy you're describing isn't good because it can be it is funny in spots but they've ruined the whole premise of it and how it's supposed to work the whole point of having this match is that Kaz is trying to get his hands on Uno he has not been able to do that for a month and the whole point is it should just be building up to him finally getting in the ring where like he Perry's brawling with Cat on the outside so he can't tag back out or whatever and he finally gets caught and he gets some comeuppance that doesn't happen at all. He actually gets to look like the big man a lot. He gets to win, <laughs> which he really shouldn't do, which I'm, unfortunately for me, I think I'm going to have to watch another month of this somehow because it'd be some more bullshit to go through. Um, yeah. But they just completely misjudge it. So there's never any tension. Like there's never, there's no build to like, oh, are they going to get Sonny in and he'll get caught? Like any of that stuff. And it just, uh, it never goes anywhere. So it, all the all the all the comedy is funny, but it's totally misplaced for me, and it doesn't. It's really shallow, and I won't remember any of this in like it by tomorrow. <laughs> we definitely come from different perspectives here, mainly just because when I'm coming into this match, I was like, I don't know who Hayashi is. I maybe saw him in early '98 when I was watching the Nitros, but mm. like he is just a jobber at that point. So him to just have like a pay per view match, I've all all of a sudden I'm like, who is this guy? Like I have no idea. They, they don't really recap the whole feud like no, you just did succinctly. So it's just like, I didn't really know what was going on. This is just, it felt like jarring. Obviously, looking up this history, okay, they're giving the young guy just a chance here. So I'm like, makes sense now. But at the time when I watched the match, I'm like, I'm just, I'm done. It's too long as well. It's too long That's as much. Well, I liked, but this is probably too much of an franchise wrestling fan thing that it wasn't what you described, Gus, because that's what I expected. So when it was different, when instead of like, usually you have like one big bad bad guy protecting the manager. Ernest's also a comedy character that's arrogant. Oh, so him- he is not treated as a comedy character, my friend. Oh, no? No, he is not. No, but his no, gimmick no, no. is so funny. He has not lost in like four months. <laughs> that's fair. Well, so yeah. I, I guess he's not as much as like a Santino character, but like the things he's are doing are ridiculous. Right? I don't think the but fire count is meant as intimidation. They're being done as serious. No, they're, they're oh. definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's not yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. No, no, no. no. <laughs> You're like, oh, I, thought co- I thought it was two comedy characters. Oh, absolutely not. No, no, Cause, no. Because the bit where like Saturn's in the ring and he's like, oh, I've had enough and just tags in. Oh, no, was hilarious to me. Like Because it, it defeats the whole purpose of the match, like you said. It's like meta comedy, right? 
Yeah. It's like, I'm supposed to protect my manager, but I'm like, fuck this. I'm not going to fight Perry fucking Saturn. Tag, tag, you're in. Like, you go get him. I thought it was very funny. Nope. But yeah, the, the all fair commentaries of the match. The, the match ends when uh, the ref is distracted by Kayashi. Saturn's about to hit a brain buster on Sony Ono, but Miller hits a roundhouse kick, uh, roundhouse kick on Saturn, and Ono just kind of falls on him, like buries into his armpit almost. It falls on him for the tree count. So... Sonny has a victory over Perry Saturn. There's a little, yep. little factoid for you. 4-0. 4-0, baby. Undefeated. Can't argue with results. Stick him up on the rankings. <laughs> He's next. He's the next uh, world champion. <laughs> I also love, because uh, he, do, he does this in another match, he wrestles um, during one of the Nitros, and uh, he wrestles with the shades on, which is like, <laughs> very, it was very yeah. cool. We are thrown over to the internet corner, Jericho with Lee Marshall, who he calls Flea Marshall. Very clever, Mr. Jericho. Says it was WCW propaganda that he wasn't hogtied by Duncan Jr. And if he's, he says that uh, him oh, and Ralphus are the destroyers of WCW. <laughs> he full on gets hogtied on, <laughs> on the show. It's brilliant, like, uh, by Duncan. And then Duncan just leaves. So Tony, who's been interviewing, goes... I'm sorry, I never went to scouts, so I don't know how to untie you. <laughs> and just leaves him there. That's the end of the segment. <laughs> oh, so good. Lee Marshall doesn't really have a rebuttal to this, and we go to our fourth match of the night, and this should be a doozy. Match number four is Juventud Guerrera against Kidman. At the moment, Guerrera being the Cruiserweight champion. How did that come to be, Gus? Billy Kidman just defends the belt every single week against anybody and everybody he has great matches and he eventually is defeated by Juventud only a week ago. Even though Rey Mysterio is the number one contender, uh, Billy Kidman is getting a rematch. Juventud's on his way to the ring and he's stopped by Mean Gene, which is very jarring. Does Gene just stand at the edge of the walkway <laughs> yeah. ready to ambush wrestlers? This has never Probably, happened yeah. before. Looks hey, like you, storyline has happened. What's going <laughs> yeah, on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for a plot point. He <laughs> looks like he's wearing a cape, but he's actually wearing the LWO, like what do you, whatever you want to call them, the ponchos or whatever. It's just a cut-up t-shirt. Yeah, it's the t-shirt without any sides. I don't know what you want to call them. A sleeveless shirt. That's, that's yeah. Like... Eddie comes out and takes the interviews, saying uh, Hoovy has seen the light and he's joined the LWO and the La Raza. But uh, Mysterio is furious, or as furious as Mysterio's voice ever lets him sound. <laughs> he's so bad I don't on a slight tangent Rey Mysterio is obviously a Hall of Fame caliber wrestler but my god can the man not cut a promo he just has the same monotone voice for everything in fairness at this stage he's basically never done a promo so this is true uh, he is accusing Eddie of setting this all up and this is why Mysterio obviously isn't getting this title shot Eddie tells him to think of the LWO as his family and that he has to make sacrifices, that he makes sacrifices for his family. And now he, he's going to go backstage and talk about how he's going to make sacrifices for the LWO. Forebodingly, Mysterio takes the mic for a second before they're push, pulled backstage and he says uh, that he's going to handle this. I think that's how he phrases it. He's going to handle this, which uh, it seems on Eddie, anything that happens from this point onwards. Match itself, really high-octane start by both men. Exchanges of slif, uh, stiff short arm clotheslines and short power bombs at the start. Who be already playing up the heel stuff immediately, considering he was like a white meat baby face the last time we saw him. He's really like jazzing up the crowd for this already. Very jarring. 
Yeah, just out of nowhere. Yeah, no, no gradual story build up. Like, really, I'm handsome. Cheer for me to like oh, fuck he was you a- all. Just jawing with them. Like he was a face on Thursday. Like he's. Like- <laughs> <laughs> he knows his role. Oh, uh, WCW. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kidman drop kicks Huvia out of the air. Picture perfect. Huvia uh, Rana's Kidman from the apron to the floor in a very sick looking spot. That's probably completely unnecessary. Commentary keep harping on about both men risking too much before their World War Three match, which saying it once or twice is fine, but Brain says it like ten times. Like I probably wouldn't have done that move. You know, you could get hurt before the match. I'm like, I don't think you ever would have done that move anyway, Brain. It's not your wheelhouse. Stop poking holes in why World War Three is a bad idea. In yeah, it's it's a bad enough idea without pointing out the flaws to the match for sure. You're supposed to be promoting the show, not the opposite. These two guys are the first ones to utilize the three rings set up for the World War Three match. Hoovy springboards from the middle ring to the ropes of the second ring into a drop kick. He botches it a bit because he just hits yep. the knee of Kidman, uh, but at least oh, he, he still nearly con- ruined himself. Yeah, but at least he's still connected with the move, and no one got hurt. Hoovy gets crotched on the top rope, and Kidman sends him back to the middle ring with like a inverted Rana. I don't know really how to explain the move. He then hits a crossbody from the rightmost ring into the middle ring. Impressive. Hoovy hits a Frankensteiner springboard from the middle ring into the leftmost ring. That one was a lot smoother. Hoovy does, uh, goes for a Hoovy driver, but Kidman flips over and goes for, uh, I don't know what he calls it. The, I call it the impaler, the reverse lifting DDT. Hoovy then uh, flips over again and hits a Hoovy driver. Hoovy goes up top and misses a 450, but lands directly on his feet, which is stupidly impressive. Rana into a pin, but Kidman picks out, uh, kicks out at 2.9. Hoovy is furious and just outright slaps the referee. I'm unsure why this isn't a DQ. Just slaps him right in his face, and you see the ref later holding his face like, ow, why did he <laughs> Why did he hit me? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, he then makes the most classic mistake of any wrestler and tries to powerbomb Kidman, gets face busted. Wheelbarrow German by Billy, and he gets crotched going for the shooting star press. Hoovy tries for the Frankensteiner, but Ray just holds Billy's jeans so he stays on the top rope in mm. full view of the referee. Just holds Billy's jeans. <laughs> I guess this isn't a DQ because you're not hurting the opponent technically, mm. or you just didn't see him. He's still so shocked by the by the slap. You see, he just can't <laughs> he see still feels. I, I thought it was like he was supposed to look like he's hiding behind the cameraman, but there's not enough room behind the cameraman, so it's just. Ray on the apron holding Billy Kidman's jeans so he can't get her on it. I think there's more gray area in that. You know, yeah, compared, maybe to, it, compared to the obvious like nut shots that we see on <laughs> every show. Or just a random chair shot. Like, play on. Or a belt shot we might see later on tonight. Yeah. Juvie eats shit and Billy hits a, a surprisingly on target star press for the title win. Gets the title back a week after losing it. Yeah, the two lads who are wrestling tonight, they're really good at missing their finisher, I'll tell you that. I've seen some <laughs> brutal headshots. <laughs> <laughs> the the RVD uh crushing someone's larynx kind of shit. No, more on the more on the forehead, like knee oh, to the forehead kind of, kind of area. Someone told me, maybe it was one of you guys, apparently the crookedness of his star press was originally part of the gimmick. It wasn't supposed to he didn't like how smooth it was. Oh looked. yeah, that's that's on purpose. He's doing a like a tighter rotation. Yeah. But, you know, try not kill anyone. <laughs> After the match, LWO swarms the ring. Eddie stops him from tearing Ray apart and asks Ray if he's in or he's out. 
He gets his answer when Ray throws the LWO shirt back at Eddie, and they all just get him. But Ray is too fast, escapes ring unscathed, and already out of the LWO. That was fast. Like, he was in there maybe 10 days. <laughs> he never wanted to join the NWO. He never wanted to join them. I mean, he doesn't fit at all. I, in, in my notes at first, I was like, what, what is he doing? Like, yeah. That doesn't because make any sense. He didn't want to join Connor. He spent most of the month being harassed by Eddie Guerrero. They had repeated matches where he, Eddie's like, if I win, you have to join. If I lose, you won't. And then they eventually have a third match where he goes, okay, if I win, you're in. If I, if I don't, I shake your hand and I walk away kind of thing. So obviously there's shenanigans and he has to join. And then they do this and all of a sudden he's gone again. Like he's, he protects Ray repeatedly over three or four weeks from the rest of the goons. And then th- this happens on the pay-per-view. It's so, so stupid. Weird, weird showing. Uh, very good match. I enjoyed, enjoyed yeah. the match a lot. One of the better cruiserweight ones we've seen since like the, the start kind of, of the podcast. I don't know if I would put it on that level. Yeah. But it, it's definitely solid all around. I think it probably feels a little bit better just because we had just gone through two matches yeah. that felt like sleepwalking. Yeah, that's I think fair. I think the, the the quality of match around it pushes it further up in your mind. But yeah, it's a good it's a good match. It's it it's some not, story it has some storyline, so it, I I I enjoyed this. And it's, it's yeah. nice to I, I like that they're they're gonna run this back as a triple threat next month. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, looking forward to that. I'm I'm loving Billy. I think Billy's been very good, as Gus said. I love that he has his own kind of style. So mm. he, a lot of his moves when they're not against other big guys are like normal moves. And I think you see that later in a lot of independent wrestling and stuff like that. But when he's like fighting against small guys, he's using power bombs or he's just like brawling with them and put, stomping mud holes in people as part of his kind of grungier character. It's not just all high spots with Billy. He definitely stands out too, just as, ethnicity as well yeah because mo- most of the guys that wrestle this type of style it's it's mainly the luchadors or japanese guys yeah and yeah. A- any any americans that have tried to be in this division have kind of r- wrestled a different style yeah, yeah or, they're, or they've moved on like chris is gone yeah. although he does wrestle there's a very good match kidman wrestles jericho yeah. dean as well yeah absolutely fair but yeah de- decent match and maybe unfortunately the best of the card uh, after this, we get a rewind, a little reminder of the Hall versus Nash showdown on Nitro. Because what have they been doing on the Nitros? Have they been furthering their feud? They show up one week. Scott is, like is trying to apologize to Kevin, and Kevin's like, "Okay, we can we can figure something out." And then it turns out it's just so Giant can sneak attack him. I don't know how a Giant sneak attacks somebody, but you know, <laughs> uh, which ends up with Kevin Nash going through a wall, which is kind of impressive. <laughs> Kind of impressive looking until you can see the like shitty wood makeup. It's the Shockmaster. So that happens. So then they're still at odds with each other. They don't really interact with each other until the second Hogan promo. Eric comes out and he brings out Scott Hall. And Hall and Hogan call into question Eric's power, which is kind of weird. It's kind of it comes out of, kind of out of nowhere, and they're saying like, "Are you doing what's best for the NWO and stuff?" And Eric gets really, really pissed off at that. He tells him he'll talk to him another time. And Scott's like, no, I want to talk to you now. And he says nothing. So uh, Scott just clocks Eric on live television. And then Hogan is so outraged, he beats up Scott until Kevin shows up, runs them off. And then they do a stare down and he just goes, I'll see you on Sunday and leaves. And that's really it. (laughs) They haven't. Scott is not drunk at all anymore. 
uh, whether in in reality or storyline like he he always comes to the ring and the arena as like himself now again there's none of that gimmick uh, however much of it is in reality um so he's he he appears to be relative pretty much sober now again so after a little reminder of what's happening on the Nitros, we go to match number five, and one we're very unfamiliar with, and one that's fresh in our minds. Match number five is Steiner versus Steiner action that we've been promised yet again for what feels like the seventh pay-per-view in a row or something like that. Scott is out with Buff, and the NWO referee. story behind this is that uh, the referees don't feel safe with Scott anymore. I can't remember which referee says it, but that it's an unsafe working environment working with uh, Scott. Uh, uh, it's the head ref, and I forgot his name now. It's not Nick Patrick. It's the other guy. Yeah, yeah he shows up later in the show. I can't remember his name. Uh, so they have an NWO ref, uh, which I have embarrassingly forgot the name of after looking up one second. Mark Johnson. Mark Johnson. Slick, uh, Mark Slick Johnson, apparently. Later on becomes a TNA referee. Uh, and he is brilliant. He has this kind of, do you want to call it a do-rag or something on his head? He's like he's clean shaven. He has this like weird kind of bandana on. Stealing Bill Alfonso's gimmick with the whistle. Yeah, yeah, he has the Bill Alfonso whistle doing it to different. He's so energetic. I thought it was Buff at first in like a a ref outfit, and I'm like, no, it's because of the jumping. It's the way he's moving his legs, and Buff does that as well. Yeah, they're kind of skipping along, kind of thing. Yeah, he's just like very energetic, and that energy never stops the entire time he's in the ring, Uh, and just like. I want to say airline conducting both the lads down the aisle with his uh, and blowing the whistle the entire time. Very funny, very good addition to the to the uh, the Scott and Buff comedy show. team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, unfortunately, Rick never makes it to the ring, uh, or never makes it normally to the ring. Uh, I make <laughs> I make it sound like he's dying. Uh, so we hear his music, but he never comes out. It's the giant and a bunch of the black and white mooks beating him up. They're just giving him a big hug. Like It doesn't even look like they're beating him up, to be honest. No one's even trying to punch. So this is actually kayfabe because Rick is injured, right? Yep. Yeah. So Rick is gotten or is about to get shoulder surgery. So they can't really wrestle. So this time it isn't as much of they don't want to wrestle as they can't wrestle. And that must be why they're treating Rick so softly in this beatdown. Because they can't touch his shoulder. Mm. Uh, Giant gently escorts Rick Steiner, uh, Steiner out to the ring as well. Scott and Buff keep putting the beat down on him while the referee is watching it as if it's a normal match, which again, comedy gold. Uh, Rick gets a few shots in, but again, Scott beats him down, is trying to get the recliner on him. And then a Goldberg appearance out of nowhere. Goldberg just saving Rick Steiner from the beat down. Scott also just tries to ignore him. It's so weird. Scott just no-sells it for a while. So Goldberg like, pulls him off. It's like, stop. And Scott's like, no. And just goes back to beating up Rick on the ground. Oh, that's his <laughs> kind of character, though. He's very arrogant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was very funny. It was well played. It was just like weird. You'd think that he'd straight away attack Goldberg or whatever. He's like, piss off. I'm busy beating up my brother. <laughs> like, uh, he eats a spear. The referee gets uh, Gorilla slammed into from the leftmost ring into the middle ring, which is very impressive. Buff eats shit as well, and Goldberg and Rick stand united. Rick just keeps barking until Goldberg starts barking, which is also very funny. Like they're both big Labradors or something like that. Another Nitro segment. Yep. On a pay-per-view. Yep. Even Tony says, I would love to see one time only these brothers face off an 11 playing field. 
Yeah, yeah I know. That's not the good thing to say on the pay-per-view. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we get it. Your booking's terrible. We go on to, I say, quote-unquote, match number six, Hall versus Nash. Because, of course, it's not a match either. Hall gets marched out to the ring with the black and white goons. Bish comes out, says he's got a survey, which says, get him. That's not a survey. It's not how surveys work, Eric, you dick. They all just jump Hall, but Nash comes out and saves him. Hall and Nash clear the ring, and there's huge outsider chance. The crowd really love this. Hall throws up the two sweep, but Nash shakes his head and leaves the ring. Still can't trust Hall, who looks absolutely devastated while he's on his way out of the ring. This is a continuation, of course, what Gus broke down that was happening on the Nitros. This feud is still going on. Nice layers to it, but another bait-and-switch match. Like, two in a row bait-and-switch matches feel a bit painful. I'll give them some credit in that Hall has been wrestling on Nitro and Thunder, and whenever he has wrestled, all those guys have been with him. So he's used to having that many guys just kind of coming out with him for a match. So there's some good continuity So, there. like, he, he, he wouldn't be... Like thinking, like, why is everybody here all of a sudden? <laughs> so. Yeah, it's it's just weird to have those two segments in a row, booking wise, even if they're on the same card at all. Match number seven of the night, an actual match. I promise you this time. Well, if we want to call it that, Bobby Duncombe Jr. versus Jericho, and uh, of course Ralphus. I don't know if they actually say is the TV title on the line here. Yep. Yeah, it is. They, yeah. they do say it. Sorry, I must have missed it. Uh, but Jericho's still TV champion at the moment. He is really leaning into his, what he calls, head of security or Alphys here, trying to get him to join in the fun and taunt with him. And uh, he high-fives him halfway during the match. I love that the extent of his security is he waves, he wags his fingers at fans trying to it touch Jericho. It gets me every time. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> so, so. I'm going to be a downer here, guys. It's not yeah. as funny as I remember it being. <laughs> oh. I, I will say it's making fun of a man that's just overweight and doesn't yeah. have tea a lot. Right. Who, but like, who does not clues. have all his marbles, I don't think, either. And right. he's very one note. Like, it's funny here for you guys because you're this is the only match you've seen. He, this is like every week, and it's like, hmm. Oh, fair. I could see it becoming incredibly yeah. re- repetitive. I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> but it is more, I think, instead of his appearance and stuff, which is goofy or whatever. Oh, the, fiz- the visual gags are great and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's just how uh, clueless he is. Like, Jericho has to tell him to have the fans not touch him. And then he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> That's not allowed. Yeah. The, the one thing I have to object to him, but we'll get to a bit at the end of the matches, when he gets physically involved, it's not great. Like he is just an old fat dude. Don't don't yeah, have him be involved in the match. That's, that's my note for the end of the match. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. There's, there's a lot I, I want to talk about because there's nothing to talk about this match because it's a jobber match. I mean, why is Bobby Duncan Jr. wrestling? Yeah, uh, what, what's why? a shame. I, I have here. It's a pretty normal match. Uh, Jericho win. We we don't really go through it because it's a really one note kind of uh, not a pay per view match. Duncan looks fine. Normal baby stuff uh, things. Jericho gets all his stick in and then wins when uh, Ralphus gets involved. Uh, Duncan tries to pull him up to the apron, but Ralphus isn't athletic enough to get to the apron. It's real. No, cringy. I don't think he understands what's going on either. <laughs> oh, you don't think he knows he needs? No, to get up he's on like, the apron? what are you doing? I think like Ralphus is like, I don't want to get up there. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He barely moves. In fairness, and then uh, Jericho hits Duncan with the title for the tree count, which is right. And the ref. the ref as well. Yeah, just nails the ref as well. <laughs> yeah, the the ending like getting Ralphus involved, like he 
Either he doesn't want to, doesn't know to, or can't get up on the apron. And <laughs> he's a poor old man. Well, maybe he's not that old. Maybe he just looks old. But like, leave him be. Let him just be a visual guy. Don't get him involved. So you, uh, Dave, you want to care to guess when Duncan uh, debuted in WCW? <laughs> I'm, I, 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 I do actually notice it's like a week before this, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, he's had one match, and it's yeah. against Chris Jericho. It's really weird because he has a good look to him. He has some pedigree in his family. I looked up his dad. His dad was like a decent. Yeah, wrestler. apparently he just came from ECW. I couldn't find any of his matches, but I mean that's still something. Yeah, something I, something of note. I've seen him before, like not matches, just like memories of him. He's a big dude. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. he he does. He becomes a part of the West Texas uh, Rednecks. Rednecks. Yeah. yeah, so that's he's, pretty memorable gimmick. He's a big dude. He can wrestle. Unfortunately, I looked it up. He died of a fentanyl overdose in like oh, his 30s. shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just uh, after WCW goes, he's just found dead with like four fentanyl patches on him that wow. he got from someone. Okay. Well, yeah, it's real it's fucked up. It just got sad. Yeah. Yeah, it's got real sad. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, th- that's what I wonder. So some guys from this era, you look them up and they end up having pretty long careers. But on the indies or like in some of the promotions that pop up after or like at the start of TNA or something, I'm like, why didn't I hear from this guy? He looks like he looks like a wrestler. You know what I mean? Well, now yeah. I feel like an idiot. Yeah, like <laughs> I wanted to rag on him, and they've made it really well, way too yeah. serious. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's hard because when you look at this, like from the big picture sense, like yeah. this was like the match that Jericho basically decided I'm done in WCW. Oh, really? Like, well, so they were supposed to do the Goldberg thing this yeah. this pay per view, and that got squashed like a week before this, and that was just the big thing that well, if they can't trust me to do something with Goldberg. Why am I here? What am I doing? The other big point of contention with Jericho was he had a verbal agreement with Bischoff five months before this with, with a new contract, but Bischoff never cared to follow up and close the deal. So after when this happened, Bischoff knew, Oh crap, I need to sign this guy because he's probably pissed. Jericho was obviously like, ah, I'll think I'm just going to wait and, uh, you know, talk to Vince and just a wink, 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 or cough, cough, you know? This is a very pivotal moment for the company. I mean, obviously at the time, how's anyone going to know that Jericho is going to be the Paul Famer type guy or whatever? But still, like, you have to think like this is a good talent to have around. It's a good young guy. Like, he's obviously valuable. He's working with a lot of nothing, especially like this whole Goldberg angle. Like, he somehow made it work, even though it was completely stupid. I think people underplay how valuable he was to this company because even oh, like. Even if you don't think he's like a main eventer or you didn't see it or whatever, it is already obvious that he is the key to your mid card. And you can just see so many people with Jericho merch on or Jericho signs and he gets reactions. So whether you think he's worth a ton of money, he is certainly the absolute pivot to your mid card. All your mid card stuff, besides maybe some of the Eddie Guerrero stuff, is built around Chris. And even then, Chris has been involved with Eddie and Ray not that long ago. So you've built everything outside of your main event around Chris. He's obviously selling merch. He's obviously making you money. And it's not a bad decision to let Jericho go because he'd be a future talent like he was. Yeah, and like I said, they weren't. Yeah. They didn't let him go. They tried to resign. Oh, they, they tried to give him a lot more money, too. It was just, yeah. why would I be here? Too late. Yeah, yeah it's too late. You, you can, yeah, you can fill me with platitudes when you know I'm about to go, but you can't, like... You treated me with such disrespect before, or right. lack of money before, and then and that's that's his point. Yeah. If this is Stinger Hogan, you immediately get that deal done. But it's, with me, it's like, why aren't you getting it done? Well, yeah. it, it's funny. This is a repeat story. Like the Giant says the same thing. Yeah, 
Exactly. So the giant story, uh, I think I've told it on the podcast before, he asked for more money because he was constantly in the main event, whether it be in the actual matches or just around them. So when they're doing like circuits and when they're doing all, it's him versus Nash, it's him versus the next title, it's him versus Goldberg. And when the money, he's like, I want more money. These guys are like three, four times the money I am. And Eric just basically laughs in his face. He's like, no, why would I sign? You're, you're stuck in a two-year contract. Why would I give you more money? So he's like, yep, the minute my contract's gone, I'm out of here. Why would I stay even if you offered me more money at this stage? You've, you've essentially told me to my face what you actually think of me. I think a lot of the time people, and I've definitely done this, like, ah, how can you ever tell what they're going to be in the future? But they just, like, Eric just messed up big time twice in the present. It's hard in this case. Obviously, as a kid, I was super pissed that they never paid this angle off. Yeah. They kind but, of semi-do. Like, he Goldberg beats him up on Nitro, but yeah. Right, but it was still kind of pushed to the side. Yeah, oh, I, totally, yeah. Thinking about it from Bischoff's point of view, like I can understand why he sides with Goldberg on this situation. He's a, he's put in a tough spot. Goldberg doesn't want to do it. Jericho's trying to convince everybody to do it. It's just unfortunate. I, I think that's like I think that's underrated about the whole WCW. There's a lot of just unfortunate luck that they have around this time too. Yeah, or a lot of people deciding they don't want to lose or they don't want to do that feud. That like I think the whole too many people with creative control is one hundred percent the thing. It's not even wins or losses on this case too, because everybody Jericho's agreeing like I am losing. It's just yeah, I Goldberg I, just didn't, he didn't want to do comedy, and it was just for some reason. Bischoff and Goldberg didn't understand that Jericho doesn't want a 20 minute match, but he just wants something out of it though. Yeah. hundred percent. Jericho could have gone into the match and not done one offensive move. Cause Jericho is right. Would you rather have Jericho versus Bobby Duncan again? Rest in peace. Sorry, but yeah. <laughs> or would you have Jericho or Goldberg and you want Jericho on the card, but Jer- Goldberg apparently just, I expect to have this pay-per-view off. And just- the, the Duncan thing is so weird because Again, I, I want to speak positively. He looks he looks good here. He looks fine. But it's a Nitro match. This is a guy that's going to cut his teeth in the lower See, part I of think your th- company. I think this is Thunder. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thunder match even, yeah. This is a guy that's going to cut his teeth in your lower card. You're going to see if he's worth something. And then later, maybe he'll be on a pay-per-view. But look at the names that aren't on singles like singles uh, matches in this pay-per-view. And then look at the guy that got to like, face Jericho. It's so It's so bizarre. Like, you wonder if his dad just knew enough people that this is, like, a respect thing or something. There's no reason to have this man on a pay-per-view. Or they just want to push him. Like, Yeah, maybe. But, like, his second match on pay-per-view where he loses with barely doing moves, like... Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, like, offering possibilities. Oh, yeah, fair, like, fair. It, it, Yeah, it's just weird. So, something's happening here. My assumption is they wanted to push him because his first match is a TV title match. Yeah. And he doesn't... He beats... The champion. He just doesn't yeah, win the title. Is, yeah, champion has to cheat, yeah. Hey, well, he doesn't even cheat. He just leaves. <laughs> he, he just leaves yeah. the ring ring because he's like, oh, I'm going to lose here, so I'm just going to bolt. So, yeah, I don't I don't, know, I don't really know what, what their plans are. I see where he goes. But knowing WCW, it's probably not very well booked ahead. <laughs> yeah. But I would agree, I totally agree with Jericho. Like, he's, he's just treading water the entire month, and he, it just doesn't nothing really happens for him and he has some good matches and he does his usual stick and he's trying more stuff like he he puffs his hair up now like really terrible 80s hair metal band this is the other thing the Jer- the goldberg stuff not happening is one thing right it sucks it should have happened it's a no-brainer but it doesn't happen it doesn't happen they don't offer him something else like it's not only that he didn't face 
a Goldberg that doesn't have a match on the card here, which would have, by the way, been perfect booking, have him in a comedy match, and then he can still interact with the main stars later. Easy, easy transition. Obviously, he's still going to be the champion. Type of thing. Yeah, just not a serious match where he isn't in serious trouble, and everyone knows he's going to keep the title, but it's fun, and he's not involved in the main events. Actually perfect. Actually no brain booking. But why is Jericho against a nobody here? Like, it's just, why not reward him? Go, that was a great idea. The champ doesn't want to go for it. Let's put you in something with someone else big. You because know? they don't consider it a good idea. Yeah. It's the simple exactly. answer. Because yeah, he's been at doing the same that time, off his why, why spend like, you know, two months on this whole storyline? That's the other. That's, I think that's what pissed off Jericho even more. Either way, they're completely ruining him. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's such a waste. Like, there's loads of guys you could say that about, though. It's a weird one. We can definitely get into it later, but this is, yeah, this seems like the the end of what has been a really entertaining and probably one of the biggest highlights of uh, the podcast in Jericho. Oh, yeah. He's, he's gone in six months. Yeah. That's it. That is crazy. Yeah. After this, what you've all been waiting for, why would you tune into the episode if you weren't excited about this match? World War Three, where for 20 minutes, they introduce every wrestler <laughs> on the roster by name, Sometimes nickname, sometimes Was it legit attributes. twenty minutes. No, the whole match. Okay. I think, it's it's a good tw- it's a good minutes. ten though. Like I mean, it, I don't think it's half out. the match running time as far as I know. <laughs> so it's like ten minutes. Every roster member gets an intro. As if you didn't need more uh, in Jericho's favor. Jericho takes the time to actually like look like he's just been in a ma- in a match. It looks and like he's about to throw up. Yeah, I looks he looks like a wet dog. Like he's just looking <laughs> horrible. <laughs> yeah. I, I think he literally goes backstage and makes himself look worse. Like he didn't look that bad leaving the ring. Like his attention to detail is fantastic. Some great intros. A lot of jobbers that I didn't know were still introduced by the company. Uh, still wrestling. Oh, most companies. of these guys aren't wrestling on the shows. So yeah, just guys they happen to have in contract called in and like, oh, do I have to? I've had a good seven month streak without having a match and getting paid do i have to work this uh, pay-per-view darso there barry darso just in his normal clothes yeah he wrestles as barry darso that's it he's he just been waves. on tv he's been on tv yeah he just waves to the crowd it's fantastic like hey i'm barry darso thanks for watching guys i'm like what the fuck is that gimmick <laughs> he looks like barry darso would look at like a signing convention you know come get come get your autographs from barry darso it's a very motley crew of entrants for, for sure. Yeah. You, you could see how like depleted the roster is at this point. I, I was really waiting for it. And this is Barry the janitor. Mop him up, Barry. Let's go. Surprised Barry Harwitz wasn't wrestling. The ones that stood out to me, though, first Benoit, just because he got a pop and the commentators like, whoa, you see that pop that Benoit got? Whoa. <laughs> Our roster is like, I'm switching, I'm switching my pick. I'm switching my pick. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> But guys, Tokyo Magnum, he's back. Yeah. Back he look, in. He looks so good compared to Barry Horowitz, anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, hey, 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 our board Glacier, he's the last one. Obviously, that's the most important position. Best for last, I think he says <laughs> as he passes the camera. <laughs> rolling his eyes out of his I, head. I particularly liked Bobby calling Hoovy Benedict Guerrera. It's <laughs> 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 such a lame joke, but it's got me. It's just, yeah, it's, you can almost pick the first 10 people that are going to get thrown out. So many people I haven't heard of and like, oh, he's a prodigy from the power plant. He's like, he's a nothing from the power plant. Get the fuck out of here, Bob. You can get pinned or thrown out. It doesn't matter what rope you get thrown out of as long as both feet hit the floor. Floor. And the winner gets a... Uh, uh, there's another beam. way, by the way. 
submission. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a lot of people will be going for submissions here. Uh, and uh, Yeah, just like they're going to be pinning them. Like <laughs> Just Scott yeah. Steiner, I think, is the only one. Oh, oh the, Luger went for the rack. Hey. Oh, that's true. Oh, that's there, true. You there you go. There you go. Exception that proves the rule. The winner gets to face Goldberg at Starcade, which is the next pay-per-view. Much uh, cleaner. Much, much cleaner. cleaner. Yeah. There's three rings, 20 people in each ring, and then when they're down to the last 20, they go to the same middle ring. They actually okay. take the time to have a graphic to show, tell you which ring it is. State of that graphic, though. I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. It's, awful. it's pure 90s, like... And then they have a running total, a running count, which I don't think is ever correct. <laughs> Once the match starts. They have about five they, cameras. They at least try. They're trying to be like, hey, some guys are gone and, and so on. And yeah. thank, thankfully, no triple box. Uh, yeah. They, they just they cut the, between different rings. Well, the and triple it's, box is so bad. I it's actually easier to understand box. this around. So they actually they covered got, this one a lot better. They got rid of the extra commentators as well. Oh, I remember well, there six commentators. Yeah. Why would there be... Why? Because there's three rings. Would there be six commentators? That's lunacy. That comes from the mind of an ill person. It's hey, so bad. Without that, you don't get Meng and, and Barbarian messing with, with Lee Marshall. So. <laughs> Legendary. <laughs> Nothing can beat that. <laughs> it's because he can't do anything about it. What's he, what are you going to do? Shout at Meng? It's ridiculous. <laughs> Meng's not even in this match, which is shocking. <laughs> I oh my god! This, I actually have that noted down. Meng isn't in the match. Yeah, he must have asked for time off, and they haven't they, they seen him or Barbarian no. at all. So maybe they're in Japan uh, or something. I don't know. Yeah, if, well, if they want to go on holiday, whether it be for wrestling or not, are you going to tell them no? I'm not. Yeah, this match is straight unwatchable, even with all these improvements. They have a nice yeah. gimmick at the start. Nash yeah. just throws everyone out of his ring. Just brilliant booking, booking decision by him. Yeah, literally the best I, I've written here, the best booking decision of Nash's life. He just eliminates everyone from his ring, so he's just standing there for like 10 minutes, getting a nice big rest after throwing everyone out. I actually kind of love it, even like joking aside from a point of view of it cuts down a bunch of the action, right? If you just get all the action done in Nash's ring, then you can just focus on two others. They had a clear one. story. Yeah. Like they had like each ring had something different. So it was something to do, like... A shame, literally, the last time they're ever going to book this, and they know going into this pay-per-view it's the last time they're ever going to book this match, they actually do it correctly. I mean, I still wouldn't book it even if it was done correctly. Six spot where Hall catches Psychosis off a crossbody and yeah. just fall away slams him out of the ring. Kind of forget how strong, like, Scott Hall is sometimes. Just falls away, slams him out of the ring. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to commend WCW on this one. I think this... this, this the spots that stand out, they space them out this time yeah. too, so the crowd yeah. like can pay attention to the each spot. So it doesn't seem too chaotic. It seems like the, it this seems like it was planned out for once. Yeah, big spot after that. Canyon uh, gets back body dropped off the top rope to the outside in the most unnecessary bump taken the night award. Only Chris. Oh Jesus Christ! Ring Ring One has the weirdest storyline where everyone just jumps on Giant, who's just been standing on the co- in the corner for most of the match doing nothing. He really like I think that wasn't storyline. I think he's just being he's not caring anymore. It looks like he doesn't care anymore, in my opinion. But I could I could be wrong. His, uh, uh, yeah, his body weight is definitely fluctuated. Yeah, I think they yeah. say he's five hundred pounds at this point. After he shrugs everyone off, instead of them like going in for a second bite or him just cleaning house. He just stands in the corner and everyone decides to fight each other and let Giant do what he wants. 
they just all like back off and fight each other in a different corner. Well, it's just disco of. being an idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're like, Chris is like, fuck you. And I can't handle you anymore. Yeah. And, and to be fair at this point, they, they didn't get to the, the final 20 yet. So it's just like, ah, do we really want to expend more energy? Maybe people will get eliminated or something, you know, that's true. It comes down to the final 20, but then Ernest, the cat Miller and Saturn immediately just eliminate each other by wrestling outside and leaving. They're all to the back. <laughs> just, yeah. just, between this blood feud, seemingly. <laughs> and then they make sure to unceremoniously dump every single cruiserweight that's left in the match. Yeah, it's so funny. All the cruiserweights are eliminated in about five seconds after that. Just to set, set up a pretty good spot, though, where Giant just casually throws Kidman out of the ring. He throws him at too low of a trajectory, though, and just wipes out a bunch of the cruiserweights at their knees with Kidman. It's actually kind of a kind of dangerous look at at this point, did you guys notice the fans below the hard camera, like constantly turning around? Yes. No? Yes. No, and they got this? topless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dave, at one point, dude takes off his shirt and he like keeps flexing. They, they keep flexing and the camera's too low. <laughs> and they realize that if they stand up on their chairs, they can be seen better. So they oh, do. Oh, those guys. Yeah. And they're just yeah. posing. Uh, for. <laughs> I only noticed that once. Worth every penny for those seats. <laughs> yeah. Guys were at least in reasonable shape. Like they weren't like. Yeah. 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 Yeah, this final 20, uh, all the cruiserweights immediately uh, thrown out. But the crowd is, loves any time a giant and Nash clash. Just goes wild for it when they've been on their hands for most it's of this event so far. if they should have had a match together at some big pay-per-view. Yeah. Man, what, where, when could that have happened? It's not like, like they never feuded or um, anything they need like to, that. They need to get another <laughs> Steiner match in. They don't have enough time for that. We needed on. Bobby Duncan on the card. I'm sorry. Bobby. <laughs> Hall and Nash team up to almost eliminate the giant and the crowd pop even louder, start chanting for the outsiders again. Again, maybe as if this very popular team should have never been broken up in the first place, but I digress. Down to 10 and Bam Bam comes out to the crowd and tries to get into the ring, but gets the shit kicked out of him. He doesn't get one move in. Kevin Nash just kicks the fuck out of him and sends him out of the ring as if he's a real person. Well, do you know why? Because why? he looks like a homeless man when he gets into the <laughs> ringside area. Trying to make it real, brother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He j- he's wearing like the shittiest looking hoodie I've ever seen in my life. Like, of yeah, course he gets it, kicked. I don't know what it is. Like wrestlers like Goldberg and, and Bam Bam, for some reason, when they wear their streets, they just look, look awful. But like when yeah. it's Austin, badass. Totally yeah. cool. Also, the rock, the rock in the tracksuit looks very casual, very cool. Oh, bam, yeah. bam, homeless man. <laughs> <laughs> Love the uh, Goldberg showing up and then immediately going the wrong way, <laughs> so he has to turn around <laughs> <laughs> to get to get to the fight. He, he's the thinking man's wrestler, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, Goldberg comes out and they do another pull away brawl. In fairness, again, both of them make it look very legitimate, and I'm very much looking forward to a match that I know will never be booked. We go back to the match. All 10 men are kind of not doing anything while they wait for Goldberg and Bam Bam to be escorted out because they know the camera is going to miss any action in the ring. Last six, uh, Nash calls from all to jump on Giant. Why would they listen to Nash? He is also like seven foot tall and unliftable. Yeah, but what's, he's cool, Dave. What's this discernible difference between these men in this match, Gus? He's big daddy cool or big sexy. He's so much nicer than, than the Giant is so funny this works somehow and we're last five we're down to dean chris malenko luger and nash so two horsemen 
the Wolf Pack, and Hall, the only non-factioned person that is uh, still in the match as well. Yeah, I got that right. Sorry, last six, not last five. Luger and Nash pick, uh, on, pick off Benoit, and Malenko gets thrown out soon after, so we're seeing the hierarchy of these these factions in people mind. <laughs> they build up for these factions to be left and the horsemen are thrown out like they're an afterthought. Last three, everyone for themselves. So uh, Kev fist bumps Luger, but they go to separate corners to kind of represent they're just going to go for it. All three men fight. Luger tries to rack uh, Hall, but Nash just big boots them both out of the ring, which is a little bit botched, but a pretty cool spot. Yeah, it's a tough uh, spot to do, in fairness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it looks fine. Luger just takes a little bit getting over, and they're all safe and no one gets hurt. So yeah. it's, it's When they do the replay, it looks a lot better. Mm. Yeah, the camera angle is bad. The other side, you just see Kev connects cleanly with like, Luger's head. Just kicks the head off him. And Nash, big sexy, is your winner. He's going to get the title shot. And as he's leaving, in his very cool way, he shrugs, and he's like, I guess I'm next. What do you guys think of their last attempt at the World War Three match? Better than the previous two. It's fine. Battle Royals uh, are I, really hard to pull off. Like, yeah, and the, I mean, this should have been last. I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand that. What either. the fuck was that? <laughs> yeah, it's it's really stupid. Because um, it's not like a babyface isn't winning in both instances. So, <laughs> yeah. So there's no like crowd reaction kind of benefit or yeah. negative to it. Uh, yeah, match was a lot better than the previous ones. I think still absolutely unwatchable and unusable and. Also, from a financial point, must be a waste of money. You've just paid 60 people to be in the match. Mm-hmm. And several of them have double dipped as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine how much they got paid. Maybe, maybe I'm not an expert in this. Maybe they're just like contracted to work a certain amount of times a year, and that's fine. But this is uh, this is bad. But the, the correct winner, one of the only people I'd accept to probably face Goldberg at Starcade, to be honest. One of the uh, the other over, probably babe. You could call him a baby face. I guess he's a bit of a tweener, Nash. No, they're baby faces. They're you think they're just straight baby faces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, they only uh, get good reactions, and they don't do bad things. Yeah, that's in, that's the unfortunate part with WCW. I mean, they're you know they didn't really develop any main card people or upper card people. So it's mm-hmm. who would you have faced Goldberg at Starcade? Really? No, I actually there's, don't there's mind. No, there's no heel that could really. Yeah, I'm not. I actually don't uh, mind. Maybe it's... Brett. Brett could probably do it. Yeah, he's about it though. Uh, Eddie. <laughs> Chris Jericho, <laughs> Chris Jericho. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that would have been sweet. Uh, no, I don't mind the face versus face dynamic because Goldberg is this weird entity that's definitely a face, but not strictly a face. Yeah, I was about to say you could probably argue that Goldberg is more of a tweener than yeah. Kevin like, is. People just want to see him kick the shit out of anyone. Like the him and DDP match went over like really well, and they're both faces at the time as well. So. I don't think it actually matters who Goldberg faces. He's such kind of an anomaly in the sport. But yeah, Nash is a good choice of winner. Obviously, we all know where this goes, so I'll be singing a different tune in a couple months. But <laughs> How uh, dare you? Correct winner, interesting spots, shit match is my review. Yep, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I think the one thing I would point out is that when you brought up the Royal Rumble thing is yeah. that it's very emblematic of the companies in that WCW just focuses on the wrong things so they spend 10 and a half minutes introducing every single person meanwhile wdf makes the entrances part of the match and a thing that can be looked forward to <laughs> instead of wasting time yeah yeah very fair and it that repeats itself throughout the match in various guises yeah good point very good point last match of the night surprise match for you listeners out there but you didn't think they put something on after the, the fucking world war three match 
we have what sounds like a dream match on paper. Uh, the US champion, Diamond Dallas Page, against Bret Hart. DDP comes out to a huge ovation, standing... Oh, sorry, did we go over... We did go over Bret attacking him already, right? Um, not really. I mean, no, I can I'll, just, really. I'll, I'll just tell you that after Halloween Havoc the next night, DDP gets a US title match against Bret, and he defeats Bret for the belt. Bret is not happy about this, and he proceeds to destroy DDP's knee uh, with a chair, and you don't see DDP for the rest of the month until the very last show of the run. Uh, meanwhile, Bret spends all the time getting in matches beating up people, forgetting about winning matches and just destroying people's legs and putting them on the shelf. So he seriously he tries to seriously hurt Lex Luger and a couple others along the way. He beats up Benoit just because he, he can. <laughs> Stuff like that. He just feels like he can do whatever he wants. It doesn't really get punished for it, though. Like Steiner and Buff are like fined and suspended and stuff. Meanwhile, Brett is just kind of let do what he wants. Put Sting out, out of the commission. Yeah, yeah Sting is gone. <laughs> uh, he, he makes a mention of that, that he's like, I'm just going to keep going through all the Wolfpack guys until you're all gone. Uh, <laughs> so he tries to take out Conan as well and and several guys along the way. But yeah, he's just on a mean streak, really. Not really winning any matches. but And then DDP comes back uh, and says he's signed a rematch before. I suppose this, this is probably the best time to bring it up now. One of our favorites has left the company. I don't know if he's going to come back in storyline or not. But JJ Dillon quits uh, on an, on the Nitro. Oh no! Bam Bam oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. So Eric blames uh, JJ Dillon for the whole Bam Bam Bigelow mess. So JJ Dillon's like, "You can't fire me. I quit," and he leaves. And in a very very funny spot. The car that Bam Bam comes in on, I'm like 90% confident that J.J. Dillon gets in and leaves it. Ooh. And they're like, oh, it's his car. And you're like, no, they just fucked up continuity. Conspiracy <laughs> theories. Ooh. But uh, yeah, I don't know if he's coming back or not, but he hasn't been on since. That's a good thing because he's terrible every single time. Oh, man, what him. if he came back as Bam Bam's manager? <laughs> I hope not. One of his last uh, appearances, you'll love Connor, is he gets nutshotted by Steiner really badly. <laughs> So yeah, no JJ anymore. And um, one of his last acts anyway is he signs a match, a rematch between DDP and Brett for the pay-per-view. Does he also give Brett his new music? What is with this new music? It's terrible, isn't it? I don't care about, just give me the same stuff. Like they've changed it, what, two or three times? I don't know. Yeah, I I don't get it. You you haven't heard it yet, but they've changed Ray's music and it's not nearly as good. (laughs) I'm fine with that. Like he's been around long enough that I can see them like repackaging him. But like Brett's been around for a year. He doesn't like wrestle that much. So it's just like that, that to me is more egregious then. So DDP comes out to this match, scorching hot, still the baby face. We've known him for this entire run. The, Living up his people's champion thing that Brett was targeting very much in the promos, going up to the commentary desk, standing on them, going to the crowd, showing no sign of the knee injury. The commentary desk making almost fun of the fact that his gimmick is essentially to never be fully healthy for a match. We haven't seen DDP go into a match fully healthy for, I don't know, since we started this podcast. Pretty much. There, there was a running joke where he had the tape around his uh, yeah. stomach. Months after his fucking, his, his kayfabe injuries, he'd have the tape on. Uh, he doesn't wait for the bell to sound. He slingshot crossbodies. Brett on the outside gets the action of the way. Brett slows down the pace eventually and uh, in a cool spot goes for a tombstone. 
Uh, but DDP like knees Brett in the head and kind of cartwheels out of the tombstone into his own one. Kind of cool reversal I hadn't seen before. Brett takes some knuckles out of his tights, but DDP hits a flying clothesline to knock them out of his hand. The ref picks them up and is kind of like, what the fuck to both the competitors? He's like, who brought these in here? Okay, I'll, I'll keep them in my pocket for safekeeping. Page locks in the sharpshooter, but extremely poorly, and maybe we're way too hard on the rock. No one seems to be able to do it. Maybe it's way trickier than I think. Hart makes it to the ropes. Uh, we all knew the match would come to this sooner than later. Brett targets the legs and knees of DDP, cinching in on them, doing a classic figure four rendering post in a formulaic Brett match. Uh, turnabout is fair play, though. DDP goes for the knees himself. Aha! Foiled and hits his own, does his own figure four around the ring post, which, again, he cannot do as well as Brett. Not as easy as it looks, folks. DDP grabs a chair like any good face would and goes to hit Hart, but Charles Robinson grabs the chair off him and stops him. DDP complains that he's not allowed to do this, and Brett pushes him into the ref for a ref bump. Brett grabs the knuckles out of the downed ref's pocket, which I found very funny, funnier than it probably was meant to be, and hits DDP with them. The NWO ref runs down to the ring and calls the match when Brett applies the sharpshooter and DDP is unconscious. He hands Brett the title, but then the real referee comes down, not this fake referee they've just stuck a sticker on, and here he starts the match. Brett is distracted by the ref shenanigans and hits gets hit by a diamond cutter right out of his boots for a tree count, with Charles Robinson conveniently waking up just in time to count it. Thoughts on Bret Hart's main event appearance here at World War Three, gentlemen? Deflating? <laughs> I, 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 like, as you said, like, oh, this seems like another sweet match on paper, and it wasn't super awful, but just a lot of the details you think a Bret Hart match would have, it just, I don't know, again, I'm sick of the the cheating spot, having the brass knuckles for some reason, he thinks the fake ref is the one that actually, yeah, that makes him look so stupid. Well, yeah, okay. No. I'm sorry. Even more egregious is why the, why is the timekeeper even ring the bell? Like, yeah, I, I guess that's, we should blame that person more. Just got to hit another Montreal playback. Yeah. And that's, it just, it just stinks of that. And it just, Brett just doesn't seem that ignorant and, or just that, that type of heel to do that. So it just, it doesn't, I still don't know what Bret Hart this is. doesn't make any sense. It's really disappointing because he gets going through the motions in the middle of the match where I'm like, okay, this is ramping up to be a good Bret match. And then it just abruptly stops. He doesn't ever hit that third or fourth gear to p- pick it up into a really good match. Start of this match was good. Even with some of the cheating shenanigans, I get there still has to be a heel face dynamic. And then like, instead of a proper wrestling finish, I guess a fake referee runs out. Yeah, I, I'd love to say that this is a one-off thing, but their other match isn't good either. Mm. I don't think they suit each other very well as partners. So, yeah, very underwhelming. I was pretty bored watching this, to be honest. There's no real heat to it. I'd already seen him beat him before. There wasn't really a reason to have the rematch. Like, right. like there's a very basic reason, but like, there's not enough that like it would be like, oh, yeah, I gotta, I wanna, got to watch this main event. Seems rushed. Yeah, I don't know why it went last, like you said earlier, Connor. So yeah, it just doesn't... One one thing I'll I'll mention that's very apparent right now is you can see multiple empty seats on the hard camera, which like you don't want to see during the main event. Had to have been a death nail in the match just to be able to see that. And even during like the... Even throughout the whole show, you can occasionally see some empty seats here and there. I wonder is it 
once they once Goldberg's appearance finishes, I wonder is that when people will be like, oh, that's what I came to see. Prob- probably. I, I you can kind of tell once Brett starts working the knee, it's like, oh, okay, we're gonna do this thing. You can kind of you can see <laughs> a couple fans go up the stairs like that's it, I'm done. Let's beat the traffic. Yeah, especially after the height, like Kevin is very over at this point. So him winning is an emotional peak, right? For a lot of fans. Right. You're not going to get a better ending to the pay-per-view than Kev having the next shot. Like not in this match anyway, what happens? Either Brett wins by cheating and everyone's boo or DDP retains the title, retains the title he already has, right? Neither of those things is that entertaining. It's also, like the, it's so funny. The commentators are so blah about it at mm-hmm. the end. They're just, Cause there's like, I think we're they're so used to having some incredible bullshit to end the show that they're like, oh, nothing weird is going to happen. Um, <laughs> my, my favorite line from Tony, he questions if Brett wants to win the US title and then he immediately backtracks like, wait, no, 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 of, cor- of course he wants to win. Of course he wants to win. And Brain's like, yeah, of course, you idiot. What are you doing? <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say like this is like the, the worst match we've ever seen, but no. it's just, it, it's, it's just fine. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's a little flat. I don't want to be too critical. I don't think this match is heinous or even the ending while being a bit cartoony isn't that bad it's just doesn't belong ending this pay-per-view we don't even get to go out on uh on ddp's win afterwards we get a promo package for starcade with goldberg and it's just lots of cuts of him going like Rah! just making his little kind of <laughs> Rah! noise Rah! yeah but it's like 20 of that in a row because <laughs> he always makes it they just and it's so funny it, it's uh it's on uh it's unironically funny, to be honest. It's uh, I don't know if it was meant to be. So we get uh, a, Gold- a Goldberg uh, commercial to go out on. Yeah, awkward enough, we we don't even see Bret Hart at Starcade, so it's like, eh. so weird. And they're missing a lot of star power. We'll talk about that more in the next show. But they're missing a lot of star power for that, and they don't even put Bret on the card. So guys, World War Three in the books, getting close to the end of the pay per view. Connor, what did you think of the full pay per view, and what side are you on? So I actually enjoyed the show a lot more than I thought I would because I told Gus this before we start recording that I couldn't even find like reviews on like YouTube or anything. It's probably just because like nothing notable happens on the show. So it's nobody has like anything to say about it really. There's no like shoot interesting shoot interviews about it. Nobody gets hurt or you know there's no like infamous moments really from it. So it's just a very just kind of like middling show but it's I didn't skip a lot of it. I it was it's I kind of got through it pretty quickly. So it's not like it's easily digestible, but it's it's nothing sad, but it's nothing amazing. So again, it's almost kind of just like this boring, sleepwalking WCW right now. It just doesn't have much direction or future, it seems. So it's in that case, like it's it's pretty disappointing. Whose side am I on? I have I had, I had no idea. I didn't write anything down. I want to say Kevin Nash, but I I just I don't I don't I just can't give it to him, <laughs> knowing what happens <laughs> in the next couple months. So I can't do it. I, I guess I'll just I'm just gonna default to Jericho just because I, I as a kid that's why I wanted it to happen that's whose side it was on then and now. How about you, Gus? What do you think of the overall pay per view and whose side are you on? I I didn't like the show. It it was difficult to watch. It wasn't. It was boring. Like nothing was nothing was out and out bad or funny bad. That was the problem I think with a lot of it. Like there, it was just so bland that you just couldn't get into it for for large stretches of it see i think there was enough small moments for me that I, it it held together for me like mm. nash and hall and the crowd cheering for outsiders like that that kept me interested 
the LWO stuff kept me a little bit interested. Mm. So there was some emotion here and there. There was like enough. Yeah, but bland is always a bigger sin than yeah, it's just bad a, as well. Yeah. yeah, it's just it was just difficult to get into. So I'd say if we had to go and r- rank the ones over the years, it's definitely in the bottom half. But it's probably not. It's probably closer to the middle. Yeah, than I realize. Sure. It just doesn't have enough offensive things about it to really stand out. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I I'll stick with my boy. I've I've been on his side a lot with Kevin, even the, even knowing what he's going to do. My second choice would be the giant because he gets to leave. <laughs> I fair, we, fair to him. I thought he, yeah. he, he did some work. He could have just taken the night off, but he, yeah. I, I thought he performed well. Tonight. But he's, he's real close to freedom. Not that it's going to be much better, but he, he's close to freedom at least. Um, Again, you, you think about it though. Those two guys, Jericho and giant, those are two hall of famers. Yeah. As for me. Yeah. Mighty average show. Nothing super offensive. Some nice moments, but forgettable and, Bland is sometimes more, as I said, is worse than bad because at least bad is memorable. For whose side I'm on? Bam Bam's side. Neither of them. The, the independent wrestler, Bam Bam Bigelow, who's definitely not under contract with anyone. Did you, yeah, did you put air quotes around that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that's not going to go to the ending counter of whose side you're on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it counts as WCW. I don't, no, it I hope doesn't. I hope he doesn't do a Roddy Piper. Of, I'm not part of WCW. Yeah, pretty much. In, in what way? Oh, in no way that's relevant, and it's definitely WCW, but in a way. <sighs> Sorry to backtrack. Goldberg and Bam Bam do have a match. It is not until Super Brawl. Yeah, it's yeah, technically it's, a- after when we're done, is, is what yeah, I'm saying. It's after our timeline. But that makes it more infru- like infuriating, because you know yeah. Goldberg loses the title. and Well, I, f- I forgot Bam Bam. A quick quick aside, I forgot Bam Bam was in the, in the company during our run, but how could I forget? He's in the movie Ready to Rumble. Which we should definitely do an episode on when all no. this is said and done. We do an uh, all right, fine, yeah, review. Another one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's us though for another edition of the WCW versus NWO podcast. Follow us on social media, please. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle WCW versus NWO podcast. Where else can they find us, Connor? Uh, Patreon.com slash WCW versus NWO podcast. If you'd like to support us, we really appreciate the help. And I'm hoping we can continue the podcast. We have, man, we are down to the final, basically three. We got Starcade. We're going to do Finger Poke of Doom. And then we'll do, you know, kind of a wrap up talking about everything, the culmination of the whole podcast as a whole. We'll do, you know, a fun thing of like, who is our favorite wrestlers, least favorite angles, all, all that stuff. We'll do, because we kind of did that in all the Starcade episodes, but that we won't do that on 98. So um, expect like one big giant finale after Finger Poke. Cause that that one's gonna get you know its own two hour rant on just <laughs> one two two seconds of wrestling. Just Quote Dave wrestling. screaming for fifteen minutes. Mm. You have no idea, man. <laughs> <laughs> that one still irks me to this day, especially with what Bischoff said about it. So oh yeah, we'll have a lot of shoot interviews to talk about. Mm-hmm. For me, Connor and Gus, thanks for listening and join us next time when WCW shocks the world. <laughs>